Bring yourself back online. Welcome back to Freeze All Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously. Presented by Bolin Media, I am your host, Jared Borislow, joined as always by the man who climbed through 500 yards of shit and absolutely did not make it clean, did not come out clean on the other side, Ross Bolin. Oh, okay. Oh, so I'm the, uh, like the anti-Andy uh, Dufresne to you. You are. You're, you're the guy who, you're like, you know what? I'm going to climb through all this shit. And it's not raining on the other side. Instead, it's baking hot sun, and it bakes the shit into you. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. It hardens. It, it, it oh, makes it, a, a coat of shit armor. You look like a chocolate-covered ice cream sandwich. Like, ch- like, like you jumped into chocolate shell at the Hershey factory and then popped out. That's fair. Could you, could you in, eat your way place, out of a chocolate shell? white as well. <laughs> it does. Russ... If you were covered in chocolate shell, could you eat your way out? Oh, absolutely. Undoubtedly. Uh, I, I, my confidence in that comes from how many of those um, large uh, chocolate bunnies I had at Easter as a child. Those were the, the largest entity made of chocolate I've ever consumed. Uh, one that was the size of like a baby rabbit, I would say. You know, six inches tall or so. And if that was a human size, I, I'm confident I could eat my way out, yes. Huh. I mean, it makes sense. Like, those chocolate rabbits have prepared all of us for eating our way out of chocolate shell at some point in our lives. I think that's the point. That was what it was all about, Jared. Hmm. Before we get into extensively breaking down Season 3, Episode 5, uh, Genry? Is it is it Gendry, Ross? The Oops. name of this episode? Gendry? Oh, uh, Genray? Genray. It's French, just like no, Ciroc. No, Genray. Yeah. We need to start off by thanking two groups of people. Number one, everyone who rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. Here's a great recent review from Nico Schweiger. He says, listen to FAMF and make your friends feel stupid. I like to take all of the insight and theories these dudes provide and then pretend they're my own when I discuss Westworld with friends. Then I proceed to call them names and act like a genius. J-Bone is a sweet man with the corniest humor out there and Ross acts like he doesn't love him to death. That's fucking true. Highly helpful and entertaining. Listen to this or you're a big, dumb idiot. Thank you, Nico. <laughs> I love how your favorite reviews are always calling people who don't listen stupid. Yeah, that's like literally my review of this podcast. Is if like, you don't listen, hey, you're stupid. Yes. That's all I need to say. It's and like if a you're stupid tactic. and you listen, you'll become smart. Yes. Depends on how stupid you are. Smarter. Yeah, More we can only do so much. Yeah. Write true. a helpful and funny five-star review. And I will read the best one on next Monday's podcast. The other group of people who we need to thank is everyone who subscribed to our Patreon. As a listener pointed out on Twitter yesterday, uh, you can check out her tweet at Motor on Twitter. I went absolutely ape shit, poop shit yesterday on our Patreon, posting six things in one day. That's a new record for Patreon. Nobody's ever posted six plus things in a day. Six. I'm the sixiest man on Patreon. If you're a huge Westworld fan and just one podcast a week is not enough for you, head to patreon.com slash freezeallmotorfunctions and join us for one extra podcast per week every Thursday, as well as Westworld columns from me, Serena, and more. Bonus memes, Q&A live streams, so much going on on our Patreon. It's a very fun place. Speaking of which, 
We are currently at 219 subscribers on Patreon, and when we hit 250, we're doing a big giveaway that includes the first ever Freeze on Water Functions hat, a customized Westworld Photoshop of you by intern Serena, who's not an intern anymore, she's just regular Serena, and last but not least, a personalized video message from a mystery Westworld actor. So get on our Patreon, subscribe, do the thing, Ross. Do the thing. Things. Oh yeah, sorry. Do the things. Time to get into it. This is episode five. Genre. No, genre. Genre named after the drug genre that we saw last episode. And what a trip, literally, this episode was, Ross. I wanna I wanna hear your thoughts on doing a drug trip episode of Westworld. Um that that I loved this episode. I thought it was really fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I uh, admittedly, I went in in the right state of mind for this episode. Like, this was basically like if Westworld was going to take a stab at their version of Fear and Loathing, and uh, it, I took a couple edibles a couple hours before, and so I was in full blazing saddles mode, and it it all worked out beautifully. Uh, I will be honest with you at the beginning. When, he, when Caleb started tripping balls, I was terrified. But like five minutes in, I, around, you know, when they started explaining the phases, I was like, I started to feel more comfortable. I was like, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. You're okay, just breathe, you're gonna be fine. And I was alone in my house in the dark, and it was just a lot, Jared. But as the episode went on, I became more and more comfortable. And it really was, um, I'd say it was my number two or three this season. Ooh. What was your number one? Episode one? Mm, yes. I figured. Ross, I like to call this episode Fear and Loathing in Los Angeles. <laughs> Personally. Yeah, this is a good one, right? <laughs> uh, I tasked intern Serena, who's not an intern anymore. She's just regular Serena. I need to get out of the habit of saying that. Um, I tasked her with something that I knew when I sent it to her. I was like... This is going to be tricky to pull off, but if there's anybody who can pull it off, it's Serena. It was her making the crazy Johnny Depp swig- wiggly head Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas poster into a Fear and Loathing in Los Angeles poster with Caleb. Oh, yeah. If she pulls this off, it's going to be one of the greatest feats in podcast social media history. See, this, is, right this is one of those examples of a Photoshop where she's going to probably spend a significant amount of time making it look very beautiful and we'll all appreciate it very much, but it would be equally funny... If you cut out a square head of Caleb and just plopped it on the fear and loading cover. <laughs> there's, there's two ways you can do this. You can do it incredibly, incredibly well to where it looks amazing, or you can do it so, so poorly, bad that it's yeah. funny. Exactly. And Those I, are the only options, Jerry. <laughs> Serena, please do the good one. <laughs> do the good one, Serena. That's the much more visually appealing choice. We're going to start off our discussion of this episode by discussing... Ciroc, who, by the way, if you haven't noticed yet, his last name backwards is Cares. Ross, do you cares about that fun fact I just told you? No, but I do cares about all that we found out about this dude during this episode. Uh, wow. Yeah, this, I had no idea this was going to be the Ciroc episode. He is by far the focal point of the episode, not just him in the present day. You're going to call it the Ciroc episode? This is the Ciroc episode. That's really going out on a limb, though, Jared. I'm, I'm scared we may get a lot more Ciroc. I would say, but, okay, like, you know how each episode so far has had 
like the the key stakeholders, right? We're not going we're not going back to the past. Yeah, Westworld, where it's like skip, skip, move around, move around, different storyline. It's like every episode has a main focus, right? And this one undoubtedly was Ciroc, who got like young Ciroc, you know, baby Ciroc, old Ciroc. He was the narrator. Was like half the episode. Yeah, he was a narrator of a lot of this. Yeah, and we start off with a cold open. I want to say right now. We've gotten to the point in Westworld where we are past the point of impactful cold opens. They are now doing cold opens solely for the sake of doing them. They just like them. It's a, just a part of the show, yeah. I don't like that, though. I, I much prefer the Game of Thrones model and the past Westworld model of you give a cold open when you fucking have a cold open. You don't just do it to do it. Yeah, it's a little bit strange that they've... I mean, clearly they made a conscious decision at some point. They were like, look, we really like this style more, even if it's not something that, that particularly sets up for a cold open, they sort of force it now. And it's uh, it, it, it's the model that they've decided to stick with. I don't particularly understand why I'm with you. I like the method where you get to sort of pick your spots for this, and it can be way more impactful. But also... I like kind of I like getting a couple minutes of the show and then they hit you with the fucking credit or the uh, opening sequence and it's like I like that build up too so I I understand the decision they made and I will say this I can tie together the two things we were just talking about in that every cold open the person that's featured is the person or people on whom that episode is focused right I believe so, it's so like their, yeah yeah it's like their way of saying hey fucker. You're about to get an hour of this little bitch. Yeah, but I, Jared, I disagree with you on this. I mean, I'm, again, I, this is one where going into the episode, people were asking me, oh, who, what do you, who do you think is going to be the focus? Are we going to get another Bernard Teddy episode? Or, or uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Rest in peace, Teddy. God, those days are long Man, gone. Don't, dude, pour some out. <laughs> I'm sorry for everybody I just triggered. Uh, Bernard and um, Handsome Dan. <laughs> Stubbs? Stubbs. Handsome Stubbs. Uh, handsome Dan. People were like, is it good? <laughs> people were like, is it going to be another Bernard's and Handsome Stubbs episode? And I was like, I really don't think this is going to be this season to me, only having four episodes left when I was having this thought process. Yeah. There weren't enough left for them to be as uh, like broken off like that. So while I do agree with you that this, they're, they're, I think they wanted it and framed this episode up to be sort of the one where you find out more about Ciroc and you f- clearly find out this guy is, um, his intentions are a little clouded uh, and yes. maybe he's a bit of a psycho, but it, it's still got enough of Dolores, enough of the other characters to where I was like, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel like I, I, I left them behind so much. I get that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's mostly, like, this season, they are doing a great job of being, like, this episode is about this person, but we're still keeping the story going in the background, For and sure. we definitely see that here as well. The cold open with Ciroc talking to the Brazilian president reveals to us a number of things, uh, and here they are. First off, Ciroc doesn't keep his work totally behind the scenes, but rather is very open about it with people he deems to be stakeholders. And I imagine a very large amount of Ciroc's life is spent flying to visit various world leaders like he's doing here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is essentially, Jared, like what we imagine and joke uh, that the Illuminati is. It's a group yes. of very powerful people who are making all the decisions in the entire world. And Ciroc 
Uh, based on what we see in this scene, I would have to guess that it's presidents of countries deemed worthy of being involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously the most wealthy billionaires and trillionaires or whatever billionaire we're at at this hit point in history uh, on the planet. So, it, th- man... This this scene, honestly, was one of the things I, I really, really liked about the episode. This was tight. And it was like, you know why they got Vincent Castle because, or Cassell, whatever? It, because he does a really good job of making cheesy action scenes really sexy and not so cheesy. Yeah. And more, he is, he's great. He's such a sexy actor. He is, man. This is his vibe. This is his vibe in everything he's ever done. It's his vibe on his Instagram page. The dude just does this. And I I, I think this was a massive win for them. Um, this dude being able to carry scenes like this with a level of intimidation, but also like, like, I don't give a fuck. I have, like, no matter what you do, he basically tells this dude, point blank. Look, no matter what you do, I'm good. Whether it's now or in six months when I'm sitting here with literally that guy right there with the mustache. <laughs> yeah. Your call, playboy. And the dude is like, I don't have... A, a, he doesn't even have to sit there and wait for him to respond. He just walks off. Yeah. Sick. And there was the interesting parallel there there of the Brazilian guy swatting at the fly, which obviously we have the whole Dolores fly swatting episode at the end of the entire series premiere. <coughs> Uh, I don't know exactly what the point of that was. A callback? Uh, I do not know. But I thought that was an interesting little thing to include in there. And he just gets progressively more mad at the fly the madder he is at Ciroc. And then literally like slaps at it at the end. Yeah, it was also just a metaphor for like, I don't know, this the, just this dude being so unimportant. Like yeah. this guy, it's literally like, hey man, you're just a piece on the chessboard. We know every move you're gonna make, so you can either continue to be that piece on the chessboard, or we can throw you into the fucking forest and get another piece. Why do you think Sirak does the in-person visits when the future's version of Zoom calls is so realistic and it's literally like you're there with them? That's a very good question, Jared. And it, honestly, it's one of the things you know. We we touched on this before. When you really bring in futuristic technologies that don't exist and haven't been explained, you leave a lot of issues on the table, and this is one of them. Why in the name of God would anyone even own that kind of jet at this point if the hologram technology, uh, uh, communication technology is so advanced that you literally can't tell the difference? It's a little silly. It's uh, The only thing I can think of is like you, nothing can take the place of in-person interaction sure, like, sure. in big business deals. Like I totally do get that, which... Makes sense. And also maybe he thinks he's more intimidating when he's like there and like kind of imposing and they can really get the, they can feel like his breathing and it's like his presence. He has a very intimidating fucking presence. He definitely is. And you're right. There's nothing like a personal touch, but that, you you know, that statement alone makes me wonder, come on, are we to believe there's only one Ciroc? If you were Ciroc, you wouldn't make more Ciroc's to do your Ciroc-ing? It's a great question. I don't know. We'll see. Some sort of simulation type but deal. But this whole thing, dude, with the president, my shit right here. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it, Ross. Mm. Another thing we learned about Ciroc is that he uses the system to threaten these stakeholders, like the Brazilian president, into staying in line with the system. It works out really well for him because he's kind of seen as merely a middleman. He's just like, hey, here's what the system says. Here's what you need to do so that the system's not right. You know, like he he's really taking all the blame off himself when in reality, he is still the one deciding that humanity needs to be kept alive. Right. 
Like, just because Rehoboam says, if you do this, everybody dies, he doesn't have to step in, right? Sure. That's what's interesting about it. I, I, I still don't understand that ultimate decision-making ability. Well, here's what it all boils down to. He's the steward of the oracle, essentially. He has something that can tell the future. But he created and whenever it. He's, it's not something that existed. Yeah. Exactly. They cre- his brother, he likes to point out, not him. Another way he kind of deflects the blame off himself, if you notice. He does. That's a very good point, Jared. He, very big deflector. He's like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. It's the system. I didn't even make the system. Hey, it's just right it's there. it's the system. Also, hey, I didn't build the system. Me and my brother built the system. Hey. And then, yeah. I don't know why he's an Italian mobster now. <laughs> yeah, he's, sorry he's very, to, very French. Sorry to the French, the Italians, uh, <laughs> all of Europe as a whole. I'm scum. American scum. Sorry. So it's very interesting here that he plays this role of like the protector of humanity by saying, hey, the system says this, so you need to do this or else I'm going to, the system also said that these people are going to come after you. Like he uses the system to threaten these people by saying what's going to happen if they don't do something. What happens when somebody doesn't do, when somebody does something that is not what Sirach wants, that doesn't create a bad outcome for that person, Right. What? So let me let me let me put that into words that make more sense what? to you to you and possibly the listeners. Let's say, for example, that the Brazilian president making these deals that benefit his friends did not lead to any sort of uprising that would oust him from office. Let's say instead it led to the economy of Brazil going up because they're doing all this extra trade and such. That would be something a case where the thing that Sirac wants to happen is not happening. But it doesn't. I don't know. I'm confusing myself uh-huh. here. That's where I thought we'd get Jared. Because I guess where I what we get. I know. Because I guess what it boils down to is this: Sirac would not have come there in the first place if he wasn't already completely certain that he could not get this guy to do this thing. Yeah. Is your right? is your question that if crime leads to prosperity, then Sirac is unfazed? <laughs> I, it is. It is. He all he cares about is making. This is what I guess it boils down to, right? In a way of making everything about Sirach not confusing, all this man cares about in the entire world is humanity's continued existence. If Rehoboam ever has a projection that humanity is going to go extinct, Sirach steps in and makes a change. He saw that the Brazilian president doing this thing was leading to an uprising that would lead to human extinction. So he goes in. Let's the guy know, hey, here's the deal. You're going to die well, but also, unless you do this. Also, that thing is only happening because, as they see, the Brazilian president is doing something illegal that's resulting in this dissension. So it's just like there's a cause and effect to it, too. Yeah. There's there's so many pieces when you go into the the ethics of keeping humans alive and, and also the ethics of knowing the future. It's, yeah, it's, this, is, this conceptually is crazy. Which leads to my final point about Sirach. He is kind of a big swinging dick as far as planet Earth goes. He seems to wield influence over literally every single human being. Ross, do you think Sirach is the most powerful human in the world? Oh, undoubtedly. Um, based on what we know, I, he is essentially God. Uh, he's the closest thing to a God if he's the guy that has his hands on, on Rehoboam. Is there anyone higher up than him at Rehobo? No. It's him. No? The brother's gone. So it's like, it's almost to the point where it's like, 
everybody, he's the puppet master, right? That's kind of the analogy we're, we're led to go to with him. He's the guy pulling all the strings and like or running the like, entire I'd world. I'd say like he's the guy who built the puppet master. <laughs> or like he's the guy with his, like a gun to the puppet master's head. What if he's the puppet master and the strings are Rehoboam? And they're attached to the people who are the puppet. I don't know. Ross, what if you're the puppet master and I'm the puppet and you're dancing me in front of a bunch of children at a fifth grade art fair? I got no strings to hold me down, to make me sad, to make me frown. I was more so thinking that we would do bye, 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 bye. Oh, that's no, no, sorry. I was doing Pinocchio. That's not your speed? No, I'm a Pinocchio guy. I'm a real boy. So, Ciroc's goal in life is to keep humanity from going extinct, which sounds incredibly noble. That's like one of those things where it's like, is there, what's, where is the line of what is evil when it comes to the overall goal being to keep humanity alive? I think the line comes in, and we get into this a lot when we go into the ethics of both Sirach and Liam Jr. We don't know too much about Liam Sr. He seems more like he's involved with the money side of things. Or Liam Sr. is involved with the money. He All he cares about is money. Liam Jr. legitimately seems to be bought into the idea that he's doing a service to humanity by keeping humans in line. I think, personally, where, where the ethics like come into play is like you, you can't dehumanize humans for the sake of the future of humanity. Well, the ethics are, are obviously complex. Uh, what you're seeing is a system with control over many, every nation on earth, every voting body, every citizenship, every... So depending on what they know about the system, which clearly has been not very much, it's incredibly unethical. As yes. possibly as unethical as it, it's the most unethical thing you could possibly uh, do. Controlling every single human life on earth. So yeah, from an ethics standpoint, this is an example of somebody convincing themselves they're doing things for the right reason, but really it's all about control, it's all about them, and it's all about how fucking insane they are and how much of a sociopath they are. And that's what we have nailed home in this episode so hard with Ciroc and his story, especially seeing him commit a murder. Um, he, he, he frames things up, Jared, as if it's to save humanity, as if it's to avoid extinction. But the chicken before the egg scenario always comes into play. Is that only the case because of Rehoboam's existence? Or was it, would it have been like that? Because isn't it, his argument is what they discover is, look, we, did, we built this computer that discovered if, if humanity continued on this course, it would go extinct. Yes. So we had to do something. Yes. That's his argument. Yep, that's his entire ethos. Is like all I care about. I'm a noble person because I'm protecting humanity from going extinct. Boom. Based that's- on the computer I built that told me it was going to go extinct. Yep. Again, the problem now, here being, yeah, that's a lot of me, my, I, and it's like, who are you and what do you represent? You're a random French guy. I get your town got nuked or whatever, but bro, no, that does. Sorry, I. You don't just get. That's not. He has a God complex, and he thinks he's God, and he's... He uh, says that. Yeah. He says that much in this episode, many times. Now, let me play Sorok's advocate quick. You talk about how it's unethical to... And and by the way, I'm not... (laughs) None of these... uh, What's the thing? The the express written consent, none of these viewpoints are necessarily what I think. I'm playing an advocate to an evil man. Some might say 
Ross Bolin, that the preservation of ethics as a whole is the most ethical thing there can be. So if you have to sacrifice short-term ethics by dehumanizing humans for the long-term goal of preserving ethics, is that ethical? Is the preservation of well, ethics But how are you preserving ethics? How are you preserving ethics if you're taking away free speech, free choice, free whatever, freedom? Because if of- humanity dies, then the entire concept of ethics goes away forever. I mean, there's no us, more. That's just a selfish way of see. You're just one of these human psychopaths. I said, I said, I said, express written consent. I said, does not necessarily reflect the views and and operations of Jaybone Incorporated. Uh, Jaybonecorporated.com. I have to buy that domain now. Here would be my counter. If he dies, he dies. Ah, <laughs> that, that seems to not fit very well into this, but we digress. Let's dive no, in. That would be the- my worldview. If uh, there is not. A thing you're supposed to correct. I don't think that's a thing that. It, it, and again, it's the it's the way this all unfolds and is presented to us that makes it much more controlling and insane than it seems noble or righteous. Especially when you're offing people by smashing their heads into. What was that? A it was plane? a it was a fuselage. Of oh, plane. Uh, uh, his crashed plane. Uh, that you were using for their money to get the or and their data. So that you could build this thing like everything. Listen, I learned this lesson a long time ago. If something from the foundation is flawed, everything you build on top of it is fucked. And from the foundation, this man is committing murder to achieve his God. So he's a fucking psycho. Nothing else point blank matters. Like there is no preserving ethics by keeping ethics as a concept alive because humans carry the concept so we need humans to have ethics like if we get to that point well then fuck us i i agree with you wholeheartedly i simply had to pick your brain as the advocate of a man named sirak whatever psycho <laughs> i'm not a psycho expressing consent you sirak sympathist Ross, let's dive into the story of Ciroc. Dissenters, that is, rise up with me and spite Jared. I'm, a, I'm the dissenter here. I'm not going to rise up with you no. and spite myself. Now we're turning the dissenters into Jared spiders. Last week we were dissenting. This week we're spiting you for being a Ciroc sympathizer. Thank you, Jared. Next. Do you mean smiting? I never know. <laughs> I never know which one it is. I'm still not sure you're right or me. It could be us, both of us. I believe smiting is when you take the religious hammer down on somebody. I'm smitten with you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I think I've said this twice now. Third time's a charm. Let's dive into the story of Sirach, of his backstory, where how he got to where he is now. The very central part of this story. We get this story told to us piece by piece throughout the episode, culminating in an amazing reveal. I really like this reveal. Uh, it was definitely a subtle reveal. The polar opposite of the least subtle reveal of all time, which was Stubbs being a host, where it was him going like, what, yeah, uh, he's like, was he like, you fucking think I'm a, ho- a, ho- ho- a host? That was such a bizarre reveal. Like, let's, let's admit that. Well, first of all, he was alive with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Yes. That was, that was pretty revealing. Still speaking at all was crazy. Yeah, it was gross. And then you take into the fact that he's a robot who couldn't properly kill himself. I thought they had pinpoint accuracy. Still confused about the uh, mechanics of why Dolores is missing shots. Like, I don't know. I play a lot of video games and I'm a better shot than her. Yeah, dude. And Pathfinder. Shouts to George. 
We will remember you. For those of you who may have missed this subtle reveal, after Connell's Loris sends Dolores the Rehoboam files on Serac, she is seen many, many times, kind of spaced out with lights flickering in her eyes, and multiple times this happens, before and during the subway scene, and also... When you go back and watch this, it is so unbelievably obvious. They even like had a scene where her eyes flicker and then we see the train going through the subway and the train going through the subway seamlessly turns into the accessing files cutscene that leads right into the memory of Serac. They were slapping me in the face with this, Ross, and I never picked up on it until the reveal. Oh, are you serious? Yes. Oh, wow, you're a stupid person. I was uh, on two edibles and miss everything ever, and even I, because it was like it was like uh, David Spade in the gas station in Tommy Boy. I'm detecting your sarcasm. Well, I should hope so, because I'm laying it on pretty thick. They were <laughs> laying it on as thick as they possibly could. Like, I, I, I really appreciated how good of a job they did with this, Jared, because at the beginning of the episode, you're like, all right, we're getting a little Ciroc story. How is this working? He's narrating. Also, we just found out now he's actually talking to the computer. This is very confusing. What's happening here? No, they, they made it very clear cut for us instead of just leaving it as this weird fucking thing that we have to figure out, unless you're Jared. Sorry, Jared. Um, oh, come on. That we were looking at, we were, the, every part of this episode with Serac was obviously Dolores accessing this file, his files, and going through them. And then at that point where we find out you know, his assistant comes in and gives, tells him, hey, listen, she got your file. And he's like, ooh, fuck my file and opens his file. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> his whole life's in there or whatever. You know what I mean? So now it's just interesting. Man, what, I, I can't, I, a lot happened here. Yeah, well, my, the thing is this. They, they introduced the Ciroc flashbacks long before we learned that Dolores got access to those files, which is why I had already not thought about those being connected. Yeah. And then after I rewatched it, I was like, wow. they." I, I want to believe, Ross, that there are others like me. Others oh, I'm who sure missed there were. the subtle reveal that I keep calling a subtle reveal. As you say, it's the least subtle reveal ever. I still think it was subtle. I think it was subtle. I think... you, you Your words, that, not mine. Your words, not mine. I believe that they... We're putting the eye flickering in to give you like, hey, something's going on here. Something's going on. And I was like, oh my, I knew something was going on and I didn't know it was that. I like that reveal a lot. I also, Ross, if you want to get really crazy with it, here's how the reveal works. We're technically the whole episode long watching Dolores, watching Rehoboam, watching Sirach tell Rehoboam Sirach's life story. Because we know this because he starts off the episode and he's like, I suppose I should start by telling you about myself. You won't find much about me because he's obviously, he's an anonymous dude. So he needs to give all of his information to uh, Rehoboam to God. because he wants Rehoboam to be as good as possible. So he needs to put as much actual human data in there as possible. And it would be very selfish of him to not put his own data in. I think that's why he did it. I think he's in such a, he loves data. He would never have partnered with Liam Sr. if he didn't love data. He hated Liam Sr. He hated everything about well, him. He needed the data. I don't know that exactly. he loves it. He needs it to, to get no, this. he loves it. Okay, okay. He loves data. He's horny for data. He, he loves, loves it so much. Why doesn't he fucking marry it, Jared? If if he was on Tinder, his Tinder profile would say horny for spreadsheets. Okay. Horny for, hashtag horny for Excel. Horny, or, or, or Google Sheets. Uh, whatever. Not everybody has access to... 
Microsoft Office, you rich fuck. What are you, a Google shareholder? <laughs> no, I'm not a rich fuck. I can't afford that. I, I, Jared, I've never used Excel or Google Sheets or made a spreadsheet in my entire life, so I don't, I don't see how this uh, equates to me being a rich fuck, but okay. You and I were shared on the same Google Sheets at our old job for years. <laughs> I know you were on those sheets. And... I never looked at those sheets, Jared. Fucking savage. <laughs> That's why the company doesn't so, exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That was in a, um, I loved this entire uh, idea of, oh, this is Dolores watching Ciroc tell Rehoboam his own life story. Huge fan of that. Big part of the episode. Really turned me around on this episode, which I was slow to start off with, but got much, much better. Now, if you're confused about Ciroc's story at all, just go back and rewatch all of the Ciroc story scenes, because they did a great job of literally just laying out this dude's entire path, right? <laughs> sure. No, but yeah, it's, this might be one, <coughs> excuse me, that you need to watch more than once. Weed cough. Um, it, but yes, I just thought your, your your phrasing was funny. Listen, if you're confused about this episode, watch it again. No, just kidding, Ross, because if you're confused about Ciroc's life story, I have a general timeline that I'm going to give oh, you. Oh, God, I'm horny for your timeline, Jared. Here we fucking go, baby. First off, Paris and everyone Ciroc knew and loved gets destroyed aside from his brother. <laughs> Boom, boom. Ciroc and his brother, and his brother is, uh, he takes a lot of, a lot of care. He takes a lot care of, Ross, help me out here. He takes care a lot of, he takes a lot of care of. He cares deeply for his brother. Ah, yes. What? Ciroc's Uh. brother cares deeply for Ciroc, and Ciroc feels indebted to his brother for helping them escape their, like, crazy, like, He kept him going. Radioactive. When when shit hit the fan, when Paris got nuked, he kept him going. And he gives him sort of his ethos. Yes. And that is when they came up with the idea of the world needing a god. Ciroc and his brother try to become the gods whom the world desperately needs and had never existed, in their opinion. And they do this by coming to the new world with the intention of creating a system that could keep humanity in check as a god would do. Yeah, it's a very funny little uh, explanation he gives where he's like, so my brother told me there was no God, so we made a God. And you're like, oh, that was a quick jump from A to B. Yeah. Uh, so Paris blew up, and I got together with my brother, and then we made Rehoboam. Yeah, it's just his, oh. his, like, his logic for why it was necessary is very short in explanation. And I think that pairs very well with his like entire life now that he has Rehoboam, which is... I'm going to do everything in my power to keep humanity from going extinct. And that's it. And that's his entire ethos. That's what he, his entire life is based on. Yeah, also, your your system is kind of shitty, bro. Like, why the fuck are you constantly having to fly around and fix things so that it, the world doesn't go extinct? I thought the whole point of the system was to make sure the world didn't go extinct. Hey, how about we do away with your fucking system and just see how it goes so people aren't automatically held into specific roles that you uh, deemed good for them based on an algorithm? Uh, I'm going to play Ciroc's Advocate here again. That's what that's my new name, Ciroc's Advocate. It's Ciroc's Advocate. Illuminati, baby. I'm doing the triangle hand thing. Um, so here's the deal. His system is not made to predict a perfect future because humans are obviously going to fuck up the future. His system is made to predict the future so an agent can go in and 
make it so that the bad things that his system predicts don't actually end up happening. So his system, the way it's designed, needs a person or an implant in everybody, which they don't have. Oh, well, they do have that. You get what I'm saying here. His system needs something to go in and impact the real world to make the changes the system predicts. The system is only a computer, right? Like if I want to, if I want to watch YouTube, I can't just like, Hey, put YouTube on my TV. I need to go and get a remote and put it on my TV myself. Ciroc is the remote. What the fuck are you talking? I'm like 99% sure there's TVs where you could go, Hey, I want to watch YouTube on my TV and it would go watching YouTube. Isn't that like what smart homes are? Okay, pretend you're in 1992. God, Jared, be less poor. Get yourself a fucking smart home. Pretend you're in 1992 and you want to turn the TV on and there's no smart shit, you dick. Ciroc is the remote. Ciroc okay, good. Is, there's your analogy. is the middleman between Rehoboam and the world that Rehoboam needs in order to keep going on and not having humanity go extinct and then Rehoboam dies. Okay? That's where we're at. Okay. Ross, what are your thoughts on the showrunners including real human documentary footage in Ciroc's memory over the words, humankind was hurtling towards extinction. We needed a god to save us, to save the world from self-destruction, to create order out of chaos. All that plays over real documentary footage of our world. Of, like of things that have actually occurred. In, in the non-TV, the world that you're listening to this in right now, it is footage of that. It's like, I, I want to say it was just like three different chaos documentary footage this to me is what people always try to like uh everybody on the right will say this is liberal propaganda some type of statement about the way we run the like look it's not it doesn't have to be haters it's it's just uh yeah it's just a a a television show they they're using it as a yeah it's a little bit of a message but at this point if you're sitting there like hang on now We've done a great job with the planet. <laughs> then you're a fucking idiot. Like, what the fuck yeah. do you mean? We've li- literally, like, we're literally all stuck in our houses at this point. Um, but I don't know if that's as a result of us mistreating the planet. I'm just saying, as a whole, like, pretty obviously, I've been alive 32 years. And we were doing a hell of a lot more polluting when I was, like, 12 than we are now. Nobody gave a fuck. And it's we've everybody seems to have shifted towards, like, oh, there are things we should be doing. So that's just sort of, like, the general way of humanity if like if you're watching westworld without the concept of like humans are sort of a parasite destroying the earth and everything else on it that's tough that's really hard i don't know what because that's the show's argument like in every season and in sort of playing with that and what it looks like if there was another being you know because that's what we as human beings to our knowledge we are the most intelligent and powerful living creatures on this planet and sort of see ourselves as the caretakers. And then if you want to break it down even further, America is sort of the that of the countries. And there's like all these different, like they play with every single one of those aspects in yep. in a way that is not, not politically charged to me. It's not even a not, like it's just part, it's just a driving part of their story in a what if scenario. And typically uh, that's the way these lean. Well, you bring up an interesting point because Ciroc clearly cares about the preservation of humankind, right? That's his sole driving force. However, the thing that prevents his goal from being easy is everything that makes 
humans humans it's the fact that they are unpredictable that they have free will that they can do things you might not predict and he goes out of his way he's like the world's gonna be extinct if i don't remove these people from the population and those people exemplify what it means to be human so so Sirach is out here trying to save humankind, but he actually hates humans. So why the fuck is he doing this, right? Yeah, that's the really... The main issue I have with this character at this point is is, is questioning, surrounding that motivation. Are we going to get more information about, like, if it's literally just that's it, like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> Doesn't seem yeah. that enjoyable to me, man. Like, what is he getting out of this? Like, I, I just don't follow... And that, and Jared, it's it's you're exactly right. It, it, it you can't remove the beauty of something if if the only way to preserve something is to take away everything that makes it unique and beautiful. What is the point? That is the question, and it's one that, that he clearly never. Good job, Ross. Thanks. He clearly never considered that at any point along the way. He doesn't care. It's just, no. it's a power and a control thing to him. It's not like if I was a psychologist, this guy's the easiest fucking thing to diagnose of all time. He lost his city and everyone he loved and everyone that knew who he possibly was, which, by the way, I think is supposed to play into the there's nothing about him online thing. Um, And then as a result, he decided that he would take control in the most controlling possible way by literally taking control of the whole planet. So his argument seemingly good natured. I still have a really hard time giving this guy credit saying like, oh yeah, he wants to preserve humanity when we're then seeing him literally removing humans he basically sees as cancerous um, or problematic, which sounds a lot like somebody I remember named Hitler. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So your overall grade on Ciroc is great attempt, poor execution. F minus on all fronts poor attempt, shit idea, awful execution, total psycho. We go back to the attempt to execute in order to become the gods that Sirach and his brother sought to be. They had to partner up with Liam Dempsey Sr., Liam's father, and they did this because this man had the entire world's data, which they needed, and they say that he got this because he had been at the right place at the right time before the privacy laws. Uh, I'm I'm getting the Zuckerberg feeling here, kinda. Cambridge Analytica yeah, type daily. Very clearly a pretty direct parallel there. Um, I, it made me wonder what happened with all that data. Ross, they know that you were going to ask that question because they have your data and they've already decided not to let you know the answer. Uh, that's unfortunate. I just like all the data that the, the Facebook got illegally or that they used illegally what uh, happened to it? It's being used to target uh, pornography to you on Pornhub. Well, they don't have to target it. It's I'm I'm there. I'm signed up for it. <laughs> so the Ciroc brothers thought Dempsey was money driven and arrogant, but they partnered with him anyways out of absolute necessity. Liam Senior delivers a line that's very close to home for Ross. Um, Ross, is it true that they used to call you the giant steel ball sack back in high school? Yeah, that's exactly. Man, it's re- I'm, I wish you hadn't brought that up. Those were really uh, traumatic times for me in the high school baseball locker room when they kept calling me the giant human steel ball sack. <laughs> yeah, I was called the mechanical squirrel, in case people forget back in high school. But I'm not going to get into why. It involves a lot 
I don't want to know. Oh, whipped cream. Oh, a lot of whipped cream. Oh, and, God. And sawdust. Yeah. And, oh, God. And nuts. club sauce. <laughs> and the thing is, nobody knows what club sauce is, so it's provocative. <laughs> Liam Sr. was all pissed at Ciroc and his brother because they weren't making much headway. Ross, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Ciroc's brother walking up to Ciroc and telling him, Hey, uh, Ciroc, we should kill that guy. Literally, while Liam Sr. is still talking to both of them with his son. And then Liam Sr. is still talking and he walks back over to where he came from. Like, imagine you're talking to somebody. Somebody walks up, says to the person you're talking to, Hey, we should kill that guy, man. And the guy just walks back away and you're like, what? Yeah, it wasn't very uh, sneaky sneaky of him. Um... We do find out later that the reason, as as uh, Sirak explains, the reason his brother wanted to kill him is that he saw something he was going to do leading to the ex- an, an, another extinction point, right? Yep. So, again... So we, I say, I'll say this. I'll say this. At this point in time, I don't think that's the case. I think at this point, he just knows... This guy's going to be a problem. Yes. I think later on when he looks him up in the system is when Ciroc realizes Well, why. and that's the question is, did that even happen? Ooh. Or did, is that how, like, you know what I'm saying? That's where it gets weird. And yeah. he says, Ciroc very explicitly says, we haven't seen how yet, but his brother used the system. how do he do that? If he's for, in a cell. For a reason, right? Um... If that reason was to frame it up so that he could kill this dude, I don't know. That'd be weird. It just wouldn't make sense. I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's very, there's a lot there still to play for them to yeah. fucking give sure. us answers about. So no killing of Liam Sr. happens yet as the brothers convince Liam to stay involved by making him a shit ton of money by predicting the stonk market. Ross, stonks. Yeah, this isn't even predicting. This is flat out. This is weird how much this has in common with the show Devs on FX at this point. FX on Hulu. People are saying that. A lot of people are saying that. I mean, it's really wild. Um, we're talking about that on OCC some, but it's like they they predict the stock market 15 minutes into the future. And mm-hmm. they show this, look, we made $100 million starting with 50000 that we stole from corporate accounts. Five, five million. What? They started with $5 million, made ten made $100 million. Uh, Starting with $5 million they stole from corporate accounts. And... Uh, and then they're like, we did it yesterday. And he's like, yes, yeah, splooge. And <laughs> yes. That was like, I mean, that was, that was just cool. I don't know. I can't remember what our point was. Ross, I wish I could predict the stonk market because I'm about to lose a third of my portfolio on spy puts stonks. Shouts to the finance bros who get that joke. Spy puts stonks. Stonks. Yeah, today was a- Liam Sr. <laughs> today was a not stonks day, Jared. Stonks. <laughs> Liam Sr. gets locked out of the system after getting greedy and driving outcomes for himself. The brothers run a zillion projections and everyone has humanity getting exterminated. Sirach realizes this is due to the presence of outliers who are people who can't be predicted by the system. And he also realizes his brother is one of these agitators. See, this sounds like, uh, oh, I tried to build something, but these people were making it a problem. I have to have them <laughs> killed. And it's like, dude, you're a psychopath and a dictator and a fucking psychopath. Ross, I'm actually supposed to be the world's greatest golfer, um, but there's all these agitators getting in the way who are better than me. And so if I kill them, then I'm the world's greatest golfer. It's like a no-brainer. 
Yeah, Jared, it's actually amazing. I am supposed to be married to Emily Radajkowski, but uh, these agitators, these fucking agitators, like her husband, are in the way, and it's it's just it's it's so annoying to me. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, to get the result that you've predicted, you need to make it happen by by doing some shady things. I'm going to commit murder. I think it goes without saying. Also, I'm joking. Please don't take this as a threat. Radajkowski family, Mr. Radajkowski. Yes, sir. Wait, I don't think he took her last name. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Liam Sr. was the face of Rehoboam for around 10 years, while Sirak and his brother worked behind the scenes. As we know, Sirak is anonymous, so he was just letting Liam Sr. get all the accolades, which is, I think, what led to Liam Jr. getting all the accolades at that gala, even though he didn't do anything. It's literally like they are figureheads who Sirak and his brother use so there is a public face to what they're doing. A good public face has good PR. One one actually look like a real businessman. The other is a beta cuck loser bitch. You don't like you don't uh, like Liam. Liam Liam Junior is the beta is cuck I've ever cucked. I cucked him. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a weird take, but okay. <laughs> that's that's been the take the whole season. In the live stream, people are all just like, "Yeah, Liam's a beta cuck, beta cuck." He is. It's, I'm sorry to say. I, I have no I, further I, I, thoughts. I don't agree with the take. I won't comment on it. Oh. So one day, Liam Sr. visited the Outlier Warehouse. Ross, the Outlier Warehouse, literally the human version of cold storage. Yeah. Yeah. It is the place where you stick the people who are messing up your bigger picture for one reason or another. You stick them there. And you they can't mess up them. your shit. Yeah, and you try to fix them and they can't mess up your shit. Uh, I'm also seeing some conjecture that the scene that we see later on in this episode when Liam is dying, the, the Liam Jr. is dying, the scene we see of Caleb in some sort of institution could be him in the outlier warehouse as an outlier. Now, Ross, do you think Caleb is an outlier? Do not answer yet. I need to put in another point for you to consider when you make your answer. Sirach says that they send the outliers to war among other places. And we know Caleb has been to war. He's been to war, Ross. We also have Liam Jr. telling Caleb he's the worst kind of human possibly because he's an outlier messing up the system for everyone else. Now, Ross, do you think Caleb could be an outlier? Yes. Did you think before I gave you those points that Liam could be an outlier? Wait, Caleb could be an outlier. Fuck. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to swoop in and be your your knight in shining armor and make you make you realize something. No, but I also think um, part of what we might be seeing there is that he has done things. Um, obviously, he's done things that have either been wiped from his memory or re misconstrued. The implication they keep hitting us with is that like he killed his boy, Kid Cudi. Yeah. That's that's what I took from this episode. It's like Caleb might have actually killed Francis. Something may have happened with him to either where that's what he did or was forced to do. I don't know. Obviously, we're going to have this explained to us, but a lot of people were very confused by this whole flashing back and forth. Asked, uh, I had some questions, is Caleb a robot? I was like, no, 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 folks. He's a human being experiencing some sort of flash back and potentially flash forward while attempting to save someone's life that has just been shot um yep. that's what's happening so 
PTSD, possibly. And there's obviously a lot of confusion around whether or not what we're seeing is all real or what. So we're going to have to find out more in these next coming episodes. While at the Outlier Warehouse, Liam Sr. learns that Sirak is inhumanely experimenting on his own brother, as well as other humans, to try and destroy their outlierness while also destroying their humanity. Liam Sr. also learns that Sirak's brother was planning to kill him and was looking up the outcomes that would happen if he did. Ross and I touched on this already. Maybe that didn't actually happen and Sirak was lying? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Again, we'll have to see more here. This was the beginning of the end for Liam Sr. as he knew too much at this point about Sirak's work and experimenting on humans. If knowing too much wasn't enough to get him killed by Sirak, telling Sirak to his face... I'm going to tell everyone what Rehoboam saw, what you've done, was. Now, obviously, we know Liam Sr. would never have said this to Sirach if he didn't already look at the outcome of him saying it and see that Sirach was going to let him walk away, right? Right, which he explains to us. Yeah. So, the thing is, Liam Sr. knew he wasn't going to die. Sirach, on the other hand, knew three things. Number one, he knew... That he's not going to kill Liam Sr. He knew that going into it. He looked at Rehoboam and was like, he's going to tell me this. I'm not going to kill him. Okay. He also knew that every projection from Rehoboam stated that if Liam Sr. were to go to the world about Sirach's outlier experiment, it would lead to human extinction. And obviously this is why Sirach's brother wanted to kill Liam. So we're told. And the third thing Sirach knows is, oh shit, he has the opportunity here to use his agency that he knows exists to take into account the fact that the world's going to end if he doesn't kill Liam Sr. to bypass the system and kill Liam Sr. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> I thought the, the whole bubble of agency thing was super interesting to me. Like, Sirach knew he wasn't going to kill Liam, but also knew that he could go against the system. So, like, what the fuck? It seems like Ser intern Serena, who's not an intern, was talking about this, and she was saying agency might be the thing that, like, or knowing the future might be the thing that gives you agency, right? Like, if you know what the future holds, then you can go against it. Because if you don't know the future, you have nothing to know you're going against. So the future can predict that you going against the future is actually the future. Wow, that was horribly explained. <laughs> so this is the thing that ties this season so directly to devs because there is literally a conversation in episode four, five, six of devs where it's it's same concept. It's one person sitting across the table from another person telling her, we have a, we have a computer that says everything that's going to happen and we know exactly where you're going to be tomorrow based on this computer and the person says well now that i know that you've told me this i'm going to do whatever else and she's like nah doesn't work like that sorry so that's the question if you know the future does it give you agency to change it and then that's that's what a lot of these uh sort of things future telling shows and movies play with right yep indeed ironically liam's son dies due to the exact same agency bubble at the end of the episode at the hand of Lena Waite's character, Ash. Uh, same exact way of dying. Very interesting to me. Same exact way of dying as, as uh, what? So both 
Liam Sr. and Liam Jr. died at the hand of an agency bubble, right? They knew they weren't going to die, and then somebody bypassed that and killed them. They both knew they weren't going to die when they died because the, the, the system was wrong. Its projection was wrong, I should say. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so, in killing Liam Sr., Sirach has honored his brother's creation and ensured Rehoboam's long-standing existence until Dolores comes along and throws a wrench into everything. We then get a badass conversation between Dolores and Zoom call Sirach hologram, wherein they talk massive shit to each other. Sirach reinforces that he is willing to risk it all to protect humanity. And this is where my huge conflict with Sirach arises. We talked about earlier. Uh, his whole primary driver is protecting humanity, but he's also dehumanizing people, so da fuck. And that, Ross, is the story of Sirach. Time for an ad read. This week's episode of FAMF is brought to you by Feels. Feels CBD, baby. I've become somewhat of a CBD connoisseur during my quarantine and through all my trials. I can tell you that Feels is the best there is for so many reasons, including CBD quality, packaging, shipping, price, branding, and more. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep, naturally reducing stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. I literally use Feel CBD every single day of my life because it just makes me feel all around better in minutes. It does not take long at all to kick in. It's super easy to take. You just place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and the difference is felt within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important and everyone's dose is different. So leave some room to experiment over the course of a week or so. You may need to take more or less. Just depends on the effects that you're looking for. They have a real human support, luckily, to help you out with these things, uh, like dosage. And Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. CBD is very in right now. And if you have not gotten on the train and tried it, quarantine's a great time to try new things, Ross. Great time to oh, try Oh, yeah, you know it. So try CBD. Hit up Feels right now. The website for that you can go to is feals.com slash freeze to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels works naturally to help you feel better there's no high hangover or addiction join the feels community to get feels delivered directly to your door every month you'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time feels has me feeling my best every single day become a member today by going to feels.com slash freeze and you'll get 50% off your first order like i said try something new Go to feals.com slash freeze to become a member and get 50% automatically taken out first order. Free shipping. Do it, baby. The link that I just said is in the description of this episode so you can find it right there, baby. Time to get into the rest of the episode or as I like to call it, fear and loathing in Los Angeles. Much of this episode is Caleb's drug-induced perception of the world around him, Dolores and Liam. I mentioned this in my knee-jerk reaction column that I write immediately after each episode on patreon.com slash freezeallmotorfunctions. I have never seen more than a few minutes of Breaking Bad Ross, but I think that I know some references from it. And I legitimately thought, as I was getting into this episode, as film noir genre was playing out, that this was going to be Westworld's fly episode. I was like, is this just going to be Caleb not talking in sepia filter for an hour and we're all going to be like forced to either think it was some great artistic achievement or it was a horrible piece of television. I thought that's where we were going. What did you think? 
Um, <laughs> no, I wasn't as concerned as you were. I don't think I just uh, was excited that that I, I liked that they were playing with him. That we were going to get to see somebody experience genre firsthand because after the little teases we'd gotten about it, uh, obviously it looked pretty tight. And then they named the episode genre. So going in, I knew we were going to have something obviously focused on that. And and once he got smacked in the neck or the wherever the fuck he smacked with an implant. How do you d- it take genre? It was a uh, it was like a little syringe that is it looks like a jewel just stabbed it into his it neck. Into uh, yeah. After once he got hit, I was like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. But I no, I didn't think it was gonna take over the episode. I also think I, I was one of the people who love Fly, um, and uh, yeah, no, this was this was look. There were a few weird moments here uh, where I was like, okay, the car chase, I what. Why, it was long. 15 miles was an hour, man. They're 15 miles an hour. Yeah. No one's the driving. Fuck? These cars are automated. What am I? Why am I watching this? Like, it's exciting. Like, uh, it was almost, it's weird. I'm telling you, they've leaned so far into the action stuff that it's like they're doing shit from action movies to make fun of it almost. It's it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Like, when Dolores goes, acceleration, 97%. Faster. Faster. And each time it goes 0.1 miles per hour faster up to... 99%. Yeah. Like... That was, that seemed like a joke at the time. And maybe I'm wondering if they put some of that stuff in to make it genre-esque, right? Like, oh, Caleb is now in this like action movie epic drama listening to Flight of the Valkyries. Let's give him some corny lines that he can go along with. Nah, no, nah, that's not it cheesy. at all. Because it's absolutely, anytime we're experiencing Caleb as Caleb on genre, we get that angle. We get that. Camera difference, Serena, explain it next time we talk. Um, but the, it's black and white, and you know very clearly this is Caleb on genre. Her delivering a lot of these lines and shit was not that. <laughs> yeah, sadly. So before the genre happens, Dolores blackmails Liam into working with her since she's already made it so that Sirak is going to kill Liam if he ever finds him. The blackmail comes in the form of Dolores convincing Sirak into thinking that Liam foiled Sirak's attempt to overtake Delos by swooping in and helping take it private at the last minute, despite the fact that Liam has zero say in that. He's just a huge scapegoat, like, hey, buddy, you're actually going to get killed because we totally like stole your identity, so you might as well just like roll with us, bruh. Yeah, this whole thing, the back and forth in the car, is whatever. Now we have to talk about this, Ross. Do you have any interest in doing a dose of genre? Oh, absolutely. So Liam, when asked what it does, goes, I don't know. And Giggles, when asked, or he doesn't, isn't asked, he just tells us what it does. He says, it's like five drips in one, a movie marathon. So you get a movie marathon in your head of your own life. I'm not going to lie. If I'm walking in public and I'm wearing sunglasses and I'm also listening to music, it kind of feels like I'm in the film noir, you know? The uh, the concept of a drug that is m- many different feelings of drug combined, because essentially that's the concept here. Genre is like, they were like, oh, it'd be tired if like, you could take one drug and it would give you like a phase that was like ecstasy, a phase that was like acid, a phase that was like cocaine, and a phase that was like methamphetamine or something like that, like... Conceptually, yep. it's it's really really, and then the fourth, the fifth phase is reality. Jared, the final phase is reality. Reality. Remember, uh, that was all very very uh, cheesy and funny to me. Arsenal shouts to Marshawn Lynch. I God, I love it. He's he's crushing it as a human in general. We dive into the genres, starting off with film noir, which includes an amazing film noir. Is it cheesy line from Caleb? 
that I'm going to say before I even say it, it is not cheesy. It is perfectly done by Caleb as he's in his own film noir. He goes, they're waiting to get us alone. And then he turns his head and looks at Liam to kill us. <laughs> I really liked it. It really put us in his head, right? Oh, this one didn't hit me as cheesy. Oh, it was not cheesy. It, it was like he, Caleb was channeling his inner Dick Tracy or whatever, like some old ass actor. Like, hey, see, like, hey, they're gonna try to get us alone. Can I say? I again, I, I thought it was like the fear and loathing thing. Yeah, it's just the weirdness of being on that drug. Film noir rolls right into opera with accompanying music, "Ride of the Valkyries," a very high energy song, perfect for the full on car chase, quote unquote car chase. The, the car <laughs> chase down. was among. Uh, the more embarrassing aspects of this season so far, I would say. What's funny is if you watch the uh, after the episode thing, they're like, Jonah Nolan really wanted a car chase. He really, really wanted a car chase this season. And every single time we tried to ramp the car chase down, he'd go, nope, bump it back up, bump it back up. So this, what we've seen, is Jonah Nolan's bumped up car chase. Three cars going 25 miles an hour track. using Tesla's... Using Tesla's automated driver system. Yeah, man, this is, this is again, I, I, I've said it time and time again, I'll continue to say it. The ways this show has gotten itself in trouble are all involving technology. They're presenting a bunch of technologies that would solve a shit ton of problems and then presenting problems that, that would have already been solved by technologies we would assume exist. Like, there wouldn't be car chases for this reason. But then she breaks away yep. from the thing. But even when we're watching, it's supposed to be at its most exciting point. It's like, can we get out of the fucking self-driving like car, a... please? Why are we in here? None of it felt suspicious. Is that like, is that a parody or like, not parody, a commentary on like the future doesn't allow for crazy car chases like you'd see in Fast and the Furious? Is that a joke question? No. Yes, it is. No, it's not. You're asking if that's a commentary on how fucking future automobiles are going to affect our ability to be entertained by car chases? <laughs> how meta do you think they are, dude? I don't know. You, you're Jonah trying to give really these fools way too much credit. No, it's, it's, one, it's the future... thing that's fucked us this season, Jared. Where are all the cameras? Why is nobody else around? Where are the fucking police? This car chase takes an hour and a half and it's 15 miles per hour. Nobody else shows up? Like, it, what? I digress. It's more like a parade than a car. It really <laughs> was. Like, come and get us. Everybody, come check out what we've got going on here. Welcome to the 13th annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, there goes the ticker tape. Also, Dolores, just incredibly disrespectful. Uh, yeah, dude, you're on uh, the strongest drug known to man. Here, take this high-powered weaponry, pop up out the sunroof, and what I'm going to do is take us around, it is smooth from 15 to 30 miles per hour, and then I'm going to take a corner a little bit too fast so that it's going to hurt your ribs slightly. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck was up with that? Th that was horrible. That was so mean. Was she trying to kill the man? I don't know. Hey, here's a rocket launcher. By the way, that rocket launcher was tight. Also, he's fucking 5'9", dude. If he's hanging on a top of a sunroof, which he couldn't, with a rocket launcher, which he can't, and she hits the brakes like that or turns like that, Aaron Paul's gone. <laughs> wow, dude, don't height shame Aaron Paul on a Aaron podcast, Aaron Paul's please. gone. After the motorcycle blows up the car, a gunfight ensues as the genre switches to love with love story theme finale playing. Ross, I will forever know love story theme finale, the song, as... 
Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique, also known as the most depressing song ever written in the history of both humans and hosts. Now, why would you know it is that? Because it's the same. It's that's the song that Immortal Technique is sampling. It's the song that's plays here. Did not notice. Okay. See, see, there was a thing I didn't notice on the edibles. Right there, didn't notice this. There you go. That song by Immortal Technique is, as Jared said, the realest shit ever written. If you want to have a bad night after you listen to this podcast or day. Go put on Dance with the Devil by Mortal Technique, and you cannot, you have to listen to that song while not doing anything else. It's like a podcast. (laughs) That was the first ever podcast. I put it to you right now. Dance with the Devil by Mortal Technique was the first ever podcast. And Ross, I want to get a parallel here. In Westworld, there is a man named William whose primary concern at one point was making a million. Just a little bit of a parallel for you. Well done, Jared. Thank you. Ross, do you think in this scene, Caleb is falling in love with Dolores? Oh, man. They really want us to think that, don't they? Yeah, they do. They really do. Listen, I'll admit, now that we've gotten to this part of the episode, this whole whole thing was not great. And the songs, man... Oh, you're gonna get you're gonna get a hit on Twitter for this one. People love the songs. People are saying it's like the best ever songs in Westworld. People were saying it was like the best ever songs in Westworld. Jared, is that the take you saw? <laughs> no, people on Twitter. Uh-huh. One guy uh-huh. on Twitter made a playlist and tweeted it at us that he had made of all the songs. Uh, no, the songs are phenomenal choices. Sure, whatever. I guess if you want to be the most obvious possible choice for each possible genre, um, but. They didn't play well. They didn't. This this didn't. It didn't have the intensity and the impact that they wanted it to. Hearing them talk about it on the after the episode thing made it even more evident that they didn't really have a grip on uh, exactly where we are at this point in the season. Um, it was interesting, man. My dad fucking hated it. He's gonna be heartbroken that you <laughs> like the music. Our dad. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Don't put words in my mouth. I personally was really surprised to hear people like the music so much. A lot of people said it. I was like, I mean, I guess it was decent. I didn't think it was any better. Like, I think season one of the best music. I love all that original Ramen Jawadi stuff. Dr. Ford, my favorite I'm song. I'm with all that. Do you want to go listen to it? First season had Dr. great Ford, music, man. Oh, so good. Dr. Ford, is. I, I listen to the Dr. Ford when I'm working all the time. I'll like, put it on five times in a row while I'm working. It's just so fucking good. Um, we then get Giggles and Ash randomly coming in to save the day they're like you rang i never saw caleb ring them but i guess he rang them at some point maybe i just yeah, he was that. on drugs so giggles and ash joined the squad which is marshawn lynch and lena waith i lolled ross when giggles called liam little lord fauntleroy <laughs> little lord fauntleroy little lord fauntleroy the little lad who loves berries and cream it reminded me of the lord uh farquad and uh yes shrek Maybe they're all tied together somehow. Mm. We then see Connell's Loris and Bernard infiltrate the Insight headquarters and steal Sorok's Insight data, send it to Dolores, as we mentioned earlier. Um, there's also an interesting parallel here between Bernard asking Connell's Loris if he's ever questioned what Dolores is asking him to do, and Liam Jr. asking Caleb if he has ever questioned that Dolores might be using him. Very big parallel there. Yeah. And... Why does this keep happening? Because much like Caleb, who's on drugs, Dolores is a user. But dumb tiss. Wow. 
I held the tiss there because I was so happy. Wow. Time for an ad read. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. This week's episode of FAMP is also brought to you by Hawthorne. Ross, for years, I've been trying to switch away from my bad habit of using personal hygiene products of convenience rather than products that I actually enjoyed. The reason I always used those products was A, out of convenience, obviously, and B, because I was too scared to navigate the confusing world of men's hygiene products, especially cologne. I, did, I literally didn't know where to start with that. That is when I found Hawthorne's cologne, whose two main differentiators are that A, it's shipped right to your door, that's convenient, and B, it is literally personalized to you via an online quiz that you take before buying, AKA not confusing, I was hooked, for real, their quiz system is revolutionary, and I'm surprised more companies aren't doing things like this. All you do is take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. Yeah, play. Party, party. It is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns, so you know they stand by their product. That's the sign of standing by the product. Even if you don't necessarily plan on buying, at least take this quiz to see what cologne they match you with, because... Once you see how accurate it is, you might be like, ah, I'm definitely going to buy this now. All this stuff is phenomenal, though, dude. I use their shampoo and their conditioner and their body wash as well and everything from Hawthorne. It smells great. The work, Having a, a dual cologne to attack like that, both work and play, Jared, two different colognes, mm-hmm. one for each. Two-headed monster, son. That's the way it's got to be. All those products are actually determined via the quiz. The quiz has unique questions like, what's your drink of choice? What's your personality type? They do this to really match their products to you as a person and not just you as a data consumer. Oh, this guy likes this on Facebook. So let's target him with this ad. They, they want to get to you. They're cutting through the clutter, going right to the source, get the data from you to tell you what you should get. Uh, when I don't know a space very well, I want to be recommended what I'll probably like by the people who do know the space well. That's what you have with Hawthorne. My girlfriend has already noted the substantial increase in the quality of my odor since I've started using Hawthorne cologne. Uh, I've been uh, quoted as having a 200% increase in my body odor. I must have smelled awful, Ross. Jared, you didn't smell great. I'm going to be honest with you. The changes you've made have been paramount to our relationship. And now I feel I can nuzzle my head on any part of your body and confidently know that you will uh, you will smell de- just just delicious. While social distancing, of course. This is in the future, hypothetically. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I must have smelled awful before Hawthorne and just been completely immune to my own stench due to prolonged exposure, but not anymore, baby. Hawthorne has a wide array of other products, as Ross has said, shampoo, body wash, face cleanser, and more, all personalized to you. I can guarantee you, by the way, I like Hawthorne's face cleanser, Ross, because it cleanses my face. I can guarantee you that you'll smell better to both yourself and others instantly. If you give Hawthorne's products a try, check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E. And use our promo code FREEZE to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. And use our code FREEZE to get 10% off your purchase. Hawthorne.co. You can find the link in the description of this episode. Please. Caleb uh, enters 70s nightclub genre as he's getting onto the subway while Dolores is watching Ciroc's memories, as we mentioned earlier. And if you didn't predict the reveal before it happened, this is where all of those things slap me in the face and I didn't catch them. Go back and rewatch this if you were like me and didn't catch the reveal. It's very apparent. 
Very Again, abandoned. telling people to rewatch it. Now, we get into one of the craziest things that happened in this crazy episode, which is the decision by Dolores to make everyone's insight profile visible to them. It turns out that learning how you and your friends and family's lives go isn't very good for your well-being or the world. It doesn't seem like there are too many happy endings, Ross. I took, uh, it's funny you say that, I took less of looking at the endings and more of uh, just everyone finding out everything about uh, their truth, right? how it's going to end, their death. Um, you see people fighting. Uh, but again, this was an area of the episode that I thought they sort of lacked on execution. Conceptually, I love it. Seeing this play out didn't carry nearly the weight it should have. And uh, we were watching like some slap fighting. Uh, we saw a dude <laughs> fucking standing in the ocean about 15 feet in front of his briefcase, just staring out into the ocean. And I was like, maybe, okay. Maybe he was noodling for catfish with his uh, legs. Like maybe, maybe, maybe what happens, we get a scene later on where the man is walking out of the ocean, both of his legs completely engulfed, one catfish covering each leg. This man has just got two fish. And now the future is looking great for him because he has catfish fritters for weeks. So that was, I mean, it was uh, just, it, it didn't play. Uh, like, this didn't seem real enough. When she says, here's one of the areas they've lacked, too. She says, I didn't just send it to everyone in the building. I sent it to the everyone in the whole fucking world. Blah. And you're like, and you're like, Ty <laughs> Dolores, uh, did you feel that way? No. You, what'd you get? A fucking graphic of, like, Look, lines spreading everywhere to show you it's everywhere. You're smart. You get it everywhere. See how it's going everywhere? And you're like, all right, none of this ep this season has had a global feel to it. I feel like we've seen nine people total. <laughs> I mean, I will agree that ever since episode one, they've done a bad job of really showing us the, the slice of the common has been lost folk. here, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that we should be, we, really, we should be getting more scenes of humanity because it's really what this whole season is about. It's not about the characters. It's about the impact of Ciroc and the system on humans, right? And I agree with you. We need more humans. We need, we need Where's more. Where's our fucking like, frame of reference, dude? They showed us one human character. One. Caleb. They've given us very little of his... Of his I mean, listen, they've told us his whole life story, sort of, right? But have they really? No. We have no idea what happened with him in the military. We have no fucking clue. Uh, we don't even know shit about the one human we have. That was it. They were like, oh, well, this kid, this guy, who, by the way, we're giving you nothing yet, he's the reason you should care about humans still. Fuck all the other ones. We're not going to tell you any other human stories or remind you at any point about human suffering as a result of Rehoboam. It's just going to be Caleb. Uh, good luck. Like, come on, and man. This season, they threw a bunch at us at once. Oh, you're dying of Alzheimer's. Oh, your daughter is committing suicide. Oh, every, all your friends hate you. Like, that's, jeez, uh, that's bleak. Yeah. Ross, if given the opportunity, would you want to see your insight profile? No. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. I don't, unless, I don't, well, yeah, I'd probably, change look at the outcome. I'd probably look at it, but I don't believe in that. No, but then you're fucked forever. I don't believe you in that. You have to either. You have to either look at the profile and then make changes so that the profile is no longer true, or you have to never look at the profile. Those are the only two options, in my opinion. Yeah, it, yeah, this is the thing, right? That's the that's the big combo. Is again, if you know the future, can you change it? Yeah. Meanwhile, 
Connell's Loris helps protect Bernard and Stubbs, who hilariously comes out of nowhere and just punches Connell's Loris in the face. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Me. I was, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that? I love that, though. I, it was so dumb, but I loved it. And then Connell's Loris distracts Sorok's team and then blows them all up on a Sorok Zoom call. I thought that was fucking awesome. That was great. Thoughts? That was funny, yeah. All Connell's Loris's talk of having to protect Bernard at all costs is big for the theory that Bernard contains some sort of information that is useful to Dolores. As a listener said, it could be the Sector 16 data or the Valley Beyond data. On the Q&A live stream, which you get access to Sunday if you're a patron on patreon.com slash freeze on motor functions, uh, you get, or we talked about, uh, here's what we talked about. I'm buffering, Ross. We talked about the insanity that is the dynamic between Bernard and Dolores and all the possibilities that it leaves open. Let's remember the series of events that got us here. Arnold made Dolores. Ford edited Dolores. Dolores made Bernard. Bernard made Dolores. Dolores made Bernard again. That's literally how all this shit happened. Yeah. This leaves open the following. Dolores put some sort of code in Bernard's most recent build that she is trying to keep safe. Or... Bernard puts some sort of code in Dolores' most recent build that will come into play at some point that Bernard might not even know about because he is now a different Bernard than the Bernard who would have put that code in Dolores in the first place. Or both. Or both. (laughs) Or Ford could still be behind something or Arnold could still be behind something. There is so fucking much up in the air. I had no idea until we talked about this in the live stream that all of this is in play. And this is why at this point in Westworld, in my opinion, if you're still trying to do the season one game where you figure out and find the pieces and put, you're going to lose. This season is simply a watch and enjoy scenario. This is not so much about, we can't predict. People keep asking me, what are your predictions for tonight's episode? And I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? That is an insane question to ask of this show at this point. Actually attempting to predict what is going to happen on Westworld from week to week is the is the craziest fucking thing you could possibly do as a human being. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go from here. I know I have enjoyed the steps they've taken away from what what had become a very uh what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, formulaic Sexy. show. No. I did not want season two again. I did not want that formula again. I wanted something different, and they're giving it to me in what is, as I've mentioned the last couple weeks, seemingly a very cheesy action flick style. And I'm cool with that. That's the thing. Like I don't have a problem with it. It's it's uh, it's the sort of weird glaring omissions and attention to sort certain things in the story and the weird way technology plays that I have problems with right now. Yep. That's nail on the head. We then go to the beach where young Liam meets his demise. Thanks to the bubble of agency that presented itself to Ash. Liam died like he lived a beta cuck. Liam also has many similar viewpoints to Sirach with regard to dehumanizing humans and merely considering them pawns in the game of keep humans alive as long as possible. It's like all they care about. Ross, this is a big, big thing from this episode. A lot of people talking about this. Many, many people. The most people in the world are talking about this, Ross. All of them. It's rated number one, like Monday Night we Football. we ban your gay Trump from you ever doing it again? <laughs> many people talking. They want to know, what does Liam mean by saying... You did it to Caleb as Liam was dying. 
So the arguments are, you. he's saying you did it, you're going to break away from your path, or... That was Serena's take. That he's sarcastically saying it, like... No. No, I'm saying, or, that he's sarcastically oh. saying it, you did it, uh, or, I mean, I honestly, it's one that I spent about 20 seconds on, I was like, man, what did that mean? And then I was like, you know what? No. Fuck you, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. No, I'm not doing this. Whatever you meant, fine. And I just moved on. My crackpot theory from this is that Caleb is actually Francis. Who? Francis, the, his, his wartime buddy who died. Ross, I'm going to tell you, you right think, now. You think Kid Cuddy's inside of Aaron Paul's body? So I wrote this crackpot theory last night. I didn't... I didn't explain it. At the time, it made sense to me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to say this is a crackpot theory. Oh, God damn at this it. Point this in time, is not good. At this, at this point in time, I do not know what my reasoning was behind why Caleb is Francis and how this scene made me think that. However, I do stand by it because I, I do not take crackpot theories lightly. Clearly, I had reasoning behind this. Um, I think it had to do with the flashbacks. Oh, yeah, you did. did. Those were related. I think maybe Francis was an outlier, went to war, Christ. something, ha- I don't know. No. Honestly, I'm not even going to say I think no. that. I don't know why I thought that. Crackpot theory, Caleb is Francis. No information otherwise available at this time. In the hangar, we have Dolores have her conversation with Sirach. Then Caleb gets handed a bag. Ross, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's in the you bag? You tell me, Jared. I don't know. Guns? Ammo? I, I'm not, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about right now. The bag that gets handed to fucking Caleb. Tight. What's in it? I don't know. What's Why are we bag? talking about the bag? Because what's in it? Why does it matter? Because we're a podcast to talk about what's in bags. It, why is the bag important though? Because it gets it's. They make a whole point. They have a whole scene of him getting handed a bag, and then the guy goes, "I don't know what's in here," and then they walk away. Like clearly, something's in the bag. It's going to come into oh, play. Okay. And who hands who this bag? A Rico guy. Interesting. A Rico guy walks over, just hands it to him, and dips. It's long. Oh, I took that I as thinking... uh, the weaponry, and I took it as Dolores had brought that dude to deliver that. Like, had set up a delivery oh. through the app. That's a very good point. That may have happened. Yeah. Very well may have happened. And Ross, finally, what do you think of this last little exchange between Caleb and Dolores before the episode ends seemed like a weird way to end the episode to me for them to just disagree about whether or not people have the right to know their own fates then have Caleb say well maybe I'm not like other people and Dolores go neither am I like that that is fucking cheesy I don't care what your take on cheesiness is this season I, I hated how they ended this episode fucking cheese but you're, then you're gonna be miserable the rest of the way I'm telling you because we've gotten 10 of these an episode. It's not... I know. It's, I know. Look, it's, this you is can crazy frame it up however you. you want, either as piss-poor writing or as exceptionally well-crafted, cheesy action movie uh, dialogue. I am choosing to lean towards the latter. It's If you compare, I think Westworld season one, the dialogue in that You don't season. want to do this, trust me. You don't want to compare these. You do not... You do not want to compare this season to season one. You do not. And so I won't. Time for some announcements. If you want more discussion on this thrilling Westworld episode, hit up our Patreon at 
patreon.com slash freezeallmotorfunctions, where we will be dropping another podcast this Thursday for patrons only, only available on Patreon. In it, we respond to voicemails from patrons, so right when you sign up for Patreon, you get access to the voicemail, you can leave a call right after this episode, and we will maybe answer it on Thursday. We also have theories that we talk about, some predictions on Thursday's episode. It's very fun. It's super unhinged. If you think we're unhinged on this podcast compared to other Westworld podcasts, our Thursday analysis mode podcasts make other Westworld podcasts look like you're watching a sermon, listening to a sermon, I suppose. Shouts to our best guests on Patreon. Here's what I did this week. I like to thank them in fun ways. Uh, Sorry about the compliment, Jeff, uh, compliment generator. That got a little unhinged last week. This week, Ross, you'll like this one. I've decided to thank all of our uh, best guests whose names I've put through the Wu-Tang name generator. (laughs) You don't look very pleased. I'm walking away from the computer. At WR Boland. Renee, thank you. Also, Renee, The Observer. Anthony, Mad Prophet. Thank you. Jordan Homer, Amazing Genius. Thank you. Andy Nielsen, Intellectual Mercenary. Thank you. Patrick Borquist, a.k.a. Amateur Pupil. Thank you. Ray, a.k.a. Tough Dreamer. Thank you. Ben, a.k.a. Gentleman Demon. Thank you. Bucky's Bandit, also known as Arrogant Wanderer. Thank you. Day 11 Westworld, also known as Amazing Specialist. Thank you. Christopher Innes, also known as Smilin' Warlock. Thank you. And James Sarno, who is known as the Thunderous Dominator. Thank you as well. If you were wondering, my Wu-Tang name is Thunderous Swami, and Ross's is Mad Madman. <laughs> and you can find Ross on social media at WR Bowl, and you can find me on social media at Jared Borislow. Please follow me. I need followers to boost my ego. That does it for this episode of Freeze All Motor Functions. Time for the NPR style sign off. Freeze All Motor Functions is brought to you by Bolin Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin. This show is remotely produced by Grant Davis of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to Phil from DC, a.k.a. Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music. Brad Hess for our outro music. And Serena, who does insanely awesome Westworld and Freeze All Motor Functions theme. Wait, I can't even talk. Freeze All Motor Functions themed memes and Photoshop work. You can find on our Twitter at Freeze All Motor, Instagram at Freeze All Motor Functions, and at Patreon.com slash Freeze All Motor Functions, where you can tune back in Thursday for more discussion on Season 3, Episode 5, Genre. Bye.